This is Spectrum Stories, the podcast for Spectrum, the leading source of news and expert opinion on autism research. I'm Lisa Cantrell. In this episode of Spectrum Stories, we look at some of the issues facing adults with autism. Some of these individuals feel socially connected and have jobs. Others, however, fail to form lasting friendships. And if they do manage to get a job, they may struggle to keep it. We explore why some adults with autism have trouble meeting their goals and how to bolster support for this growing population. Brooks Wolfner is 24. He works full-time in food services at Mercy Hospital in St. Louis, Missouri. It's a job he got a little over a year ago. Which is a big accomplishment in my life. When I started there, I was the, one of the first graduating people of the program. Brooks is talking about the vocational rehabilitation program he participated in after finishing high school, a program that trains and places individuals with disabilities into jobs. Because Brooks has autism, he qualified for that program. Brooks lives with his father for half of the year and in his grandmother's home for the other part. He knows his autism plays a role in his adult life, especially when it comes to social interactions. You know, some people, when they're bothered, they they won't tell you. They might just be nice and go along with it. You know, but, you know, you got to pick up on their body language. I mean, yeah, I learned it in high school and it's gotten better as I've gotten older. Brooks says he isn't afraid to tell people about his autism. It sometimes helps others to understand him, especially at his job. He recounts one time in particular when his supervisor criticized him for stocking the food supplies too slowly. One of the people said I wasn't moving fast enough and all that, and I just said sometimes it takes me a while to learn things because I have a learning disability and they understood, you know. So Brooks has found his way, coming up with solutions to the problems that crop up from his condition. He still worries about the future, about when his parents are no longer around and his sister lives far away. But perhaps due to strong family support as well as his own strengths, Brooks says on the whole, he feels like he's found his niche. However, not everyone on the spectrum has fared as well. We see a huge amount of variability in terms of kind of patterns or trajectories. That's Julie Lowndes-Taylor, a researcher at Vanderbilt University. She and her colleagues have been studying individuals such as Brooks who have autism and are transitioning from high school into early adulthood. Um, Youth with autism after leaving high school seem to be more likely to be unemployed, have some more more difficulties in post-secondary education, tend to be more isolated from friends. So it does seem to be a time of the lifespan that these guys in particular are vulnerable. Approximately 4 out of 10 adults with autism do not obtain employment in their early 20s. And studies have shown that they are 3 to 4 times as likely to be living with their parents as their neurotypical peers. Employment, post-secondary education, and independent living have been considered markers for adult success. And the factors that predict these outcomes for people on the spectrum, they're not all that surprising. Relatively high IQ and mild autism features are among them. Lowndes Taylor, however, is interested in another marker of adult success, stability. Even if an individual with autism obtains employment or post-secondary schooling, he or she may experience periods of stress and what Lowndes Taylor calls disruptions. Dropping out of college, getting fired from a job, leaving a job. In a long-term study she completed in 2016, Lowndes Taylor found that about half of the individuals with autism in her study who went on to obtain a job or go to post-secondary schooling experience these kinds of disruptions in their early 20s. 
Such events might have a big impact on success down the road. So understanding how to prevent them is an important question. In her study, Lowndes Taylor says, neither IQ nor autism severity are associated with these disruptions. Family life, however, is closely linked. People who did not have disruptions had mothers who had lower depression scores, lower anxiety scores, and higher quality of life. So what we think those findings are telling us is it's giving us a hint at the really, really integral roles that families play. If the family is stressed, if parents are really having a tough time, then it may be really hard for them to be able to provide those supports. In 2014, about 68% of individuals with autism who were eligible received support from vocational rehabilitation programs. And we know that about 60% of those people obtained jobs after completing the program. But, Lowndes Taylor says, we don't know how effective programs are in helping individuals keep jobs. Family support may be key to job retention. Job loss or school failure may occur for various reasons. When adolescents with autism leave high school, their schedules become less structured. Difficulties with attention and planning may make it harder for them to know what homework assignment to focus on or what task to complete first at a job. And not being able to read emotions or quickly adapt in social settings could lead to tension among school peers or in the workplace. Social difficulties can also make it hard to get a job in the first place. There are a lot of cues, a lot of social cues that we give off when we're interacting with other people and that we also have to receive. That's Dan Kennedy. He's a researcher at Indiana University who studies the brain and autism. Kennedy says that social interactions, such as job interviews, may pose difficulty for adults with autism because they require attention to subtle social signals. Things like body movements and positioning of our body in space, right? Like how much space we give other people and facial expressions and the tone of our voice and the way we dress. And individuals with autism may be less able to regulate and read these cues. Kennedy told me about a study he and his colleagues conducted looking at how we understand the intentions of others. They were specifically interested in whether there are brain differences between typical adults and those with autism when trying to make sense of complex social interactions. In the study, his research group had participants watch episodes of The Office, a popular TV show, while they were in an fMRI machine having their brains scanned. So the reason we chose The Office is just because it's quite, um, it's quite complicated. A lot of the social cues are pretty nuanced. There's, um, there's odd interactions between, uh, between characters, especially things like um, social faux pas and violations of social norms and how people should behave in certain contexts. Kennedy says being able to understand a show such as The Office relies heavily on attention to subtle social cues. When he and his collaborator, Lisa Burge, looked at the brain scans, there was similarity across all of the participants. However, in a subpopulation of the individuals with autism, the networks that were activated in their brains looked dramatically different from all the other participants. And he says that these individuals were also behaviorally different. Those people who responded very idiosyncratically tended to be those who also had difficulty understanding the intentions uh, of characters. Kennedy says, although this kind of brain activity cannot explain all of the behavior we see in autism, it may tell us something about some individuals and their difficulty in reading nuanced social signals. 
The challenge in understanding others' intentions may also be related to not attending to relevant information. For example, if you're not looking at a person's eyes or paying attention to their tone of voice, you might miss out on the cues that tell you what a person is feeling but not saying. And there is evidence to back this up. Although the research is mixed, studies have suggested that individuals with autism may attend to social scenes differently than typical adults. We know that they look less at faces versus non-face objects. And within a face, there are also a bunch of studies showing a reduced focus on the eye region. That's Dorit Kleeman. She's a researcher at the Massachusetts Institute of Technology. She studies adults with autism. And she says that eyes carry a lot of social information. And yet, people with autism often do not look at other people's eyes. There are two main hypotheses as to why adults on the spectrum look less at eyes. One is that they simply don't find eyes interesting. The other is that they are averse to eye contact, and they actively avoid it because it's uncomfortable. There is support from electrophysiological studies showing, for example, um, increased skin conductance response in individuals with autism, and that's interpreted as a sign of um, increased level of arousal or stress. Kleeman wanted to test whether reduced eye contact is a result of mere disinterest in eyes or active avoidance. To do this, she had adults with autism, as well as typical adults, look at images of faces while an eye tracker followed their gaze. She directed people's attention to particular parts of a face with a cue. It was called a fixation cross. And when the faces were shown on the screen, so subjects were focusing on the fixation cross, and then the faces would appear on the screen, so either the eyes region would be exactly where the fixation cross would be before, or we would show the faces a little shifted up. So um, subjects would look at the face immediately at the mouth region. As expected, people with autism looked less at eyes than typical adults. But Kleeman also found that individuals with autism were faster to look away from eyes than from mouths, suggesting that there was an active avoidance of this region of the face. Kleeman also found a relationship between looking at eyes and social skills. The greater the eye preference in autism, the less severe the social symptoms were on diagnostic scales. So there seems to be behavior relevance. Kleeman says it's not clear yet how eye contact avoidance develops. But she and other researchers I spoke to speculate that it may originate in childhood as disinterest and may develop into aversion over time in some adults. All of the researchers I spoke to noted that eye contact avoidance and reading others' intentions or not in turn affect how other people react to adults with autism. Dan Kennedy was especially adamant about this point, saying that some of the isolation we see in adults with autism, as well as the kinds of disruptions that Lowndes Taylor noted, come from the ways in which society interacts with people on the spectrum. And they both said scientists should ask how typical adults in society can shift their own responses and behavior to accommodate a range of social cognitions. I think we often study people with autism from the perspective of like a deficit model. So what what is wrong with their behavior? You know, their inability to to sort of um, to thrive in in uh, you know these particular settings, these social settings. Um, but I think like the really important uh, complementary question is is what what is wrong with us that that doesn't allow them to thrive in this kind of setting, right? So so I think that. That sort of opposite perspective is one that's like really needed in the field. 
This was an episode of Spectrum Stories, the podcast for Spectrum, the leading source of news and expert opinion on autism research. To read more about research on adults with autism, as well as a viewpoint by Brooks Wolfner, whom you heard on this episode, visit our special report on the topic at spectrumnews.org. I'm Lisa Cantrell.